and we are live! Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is your guy, Evan, once again on the ones and two. I'm just joking. But anyways, yo, it's Friday. It's playing day. It's almost playoff day. I love it. So you guys already know what this playoffs is going to be about. So many different teams. No clear-cut favorite aside from maybe the Phoenix Suns. We'll dive into that later. But you don't really have a say on who's going to come out. You don't really know. You don't really know. Yo, stay tuned later on in the show for the playoff preview because this show is about to be epic. I got some notes. I got some stats. I got everything down for today's show and episode. But before we get into that, just want to say that everyone, I hope you made it greatly to the end of the week. It's Friday. You deserve a drink. Don't discourage me. I, I'm going to have a drink myself, you know, because I made it to the week or the weekend, at least for that matter. It's nice outside. It's finally getting nice outside. I love it, man. I love it. No more of this cold weather. No more. No more of this cold weather. Did I tell you guys about the time where I went to the dentist and she told me that she enjoyed the cold weather? I said, what? What are you talking about? What is there to enjoy about the cold weather? It's finally almost time. I love it. I freaking love it. But anyways, enough of all that talk. Before we get into some basketball talk, let's dive into some NFL news and also some Champions League news, too, before we get into the basketball talk. Because basketball talk is going to be the whole entire show. The whole entire show. So, it is reported that the Colts have signed former Panther, former Patriot, Stephon Gilmore to a two-year 23 million worth up to obviously and 14 million guaranteed. That is great news for me because I like Stefan Gilmer a lot. I think he's one of the more better free agents that was there left, especially in the market. That's one and two. I'm so shocked as to why it took these teams so long to actually pick him up. I mean, he only went through about what two years in total of rehabbing and being injured, but are we all forgetting about him being the former defensive player of the year? I mean, is that just going to forget and escape our minds? I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get it at all. This guy, Stephon Gilmore, is that dude. He is that dude, indeed. Look back in 2019 where he was defensive player of the year, leading the league both in interceptions and pass breakups. And you can pretty much say to Gilmore, listen, you take one half of the field. Darrell Weavers vibes. You take one half of the field. And we just worry about the other half. That is a great luxury to have. It really is. Because let me tell you something real quick, guys. Cornerbacks in this day and age are very, very valuable. Because receivers are getting more explosive out of college. Receivers are more are being more coveted out of college. And it's going to be tough to cover so many of these receivers. So teams are in need of lockdown cornerbacks. Now, there are not too many lockdown cornerbacks. A lot of good cornerbacks, but not too many lockdowns. Stephon Gilmer is a lockdown cornerback. Or at least he can be. He can get back to his shape of what he was before, before getting injured and, you know, having these injuries and rehabbing, all that nature. But when he went to the Panthers, you saw in two games of what he could do. I mean, two picks, <laughs> two picks in the first two games was great, right? And obviously his, his time there was short-lived. But the point is, is that him going to the coast now is a great move. Now the coach can now utilize more man coverage situations, more man coverage packages because you have Stefan Gilmore. And you can't forget about them trading away Rocky Sin, who I am a big fan of, by the way. But you get Rocky Sin out of here and you get Yannick Ngakwe in there. The Colts are ready to win now. 
That's just what it is. They are ready to win now. I'm telling you guys, Matt Ryan is not going to be a scrub in that system. He's not. I think he's going to be an upgrade over Carson Wentz. And on top of that, they're going to have the means to finally compete again, like really compete this time. I mean, last year they were competing, but they weren't really competing. Finally compete again with this Titan squad. That is the best team in the division right now, in my opinion. But with the addition of Matt Ryan trading for Yannick Ngakwe, maybe whatever you're doing in the draft is going to be remain to be seen. But that defense is already top 10, in my opinion, um, or play like it for the most of the season, even though the numbers didn't show. And two, you have the likes of Stephon Gilmore finally coming into the team. I love it. I love it. All right, so you get that going. The Colts, to me, are going to be a good team next year. They're going to be contending for the playoffs. It's going to be tough next year. It really is. I mean, I possibly said that you have four teams out of the AFC West come out and get into the playoffs this year or next season, but that's not possible. I mean, it, it may not be as possible as, you know, we may think, so you never know. But the Colts, their route has to be through winning the division. That's it. They can't. I don't think they can make it in as a wild card. Because like I said before, AFC West is too stacked. Uh, but trying to dethrone the Titans is a doable job now. It really is. So kudos for the Colts. Kudos for the Colts. Um, and, you know, you're getting a former Pro Bowler, a former Defensive Player of the Year. How could you not win about that? How could you not be excited about that? Let's move on. Champions League scorelines. Nice affair to watch. I guess you could say it was a nice affair to watch. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it was okay. So you had Liverpool. And you had Man City qualifying through. And what a side note. What 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 fun it would be to watch these two teams compete in the Premier League and then possibly compete in the Champions League final too. That'd be crazy insane. But starting off with Liverpool. Liverpool uh did not win the game. They won the game on aggregate, uh five six four. Uh the you know, they tied or they drew against Benfica at home. Benfica having those three goals scored. Uh, pretty much late on in the game. Um, but Liverpool, for them, it was a pretty much a comfortable win, I would say, unless you really had that last goal go in where now you're thinking about, okay, now, now they have to score another goal to try and tie the, the game or aggregate. But, you know, Firmino scored a, a, a brace. Wasn't that much of work for them to do. I think they have pretty much control of the game. And you look at that defense for Liverpool. I mean, it was kind of opened up the whole entire game, for being honest here. And Darwin Nunes had two goals disqualified or disallowed. But that guy's a striker, man. And I like that guy's a striker. I really do. If there's one thing Arsenal should do is you cannot ruin this chance of getting Darwin Nunes. But what do I know? You never know what could happen. Um. Anyways, the point is that Liverpool are through Benfica. Their run in the Champions League is now over. And moving on to Man City, uh, that draw in Atletico Madrid, nil-nil. Atletico throughout everything, man throughout everything, but they could not. And it was signed, there were times in that game where Man City was open. I mean, you had John Stones defending back there. I'm not really too keen on that guy's a defender. But it is what it is. Uh, still a clean sheet for the visitors and a well-class performance right by them. Um, you know, to have the likes of them not conceding a goal, especially when you need a goal from Atletico Madrid to at least make the tie uh, level and to make it more exciting, did not happen. So... For Atletico Madrid, they are not out of the tie, you know. So kudos to them for trying their hardest and defeating Manchester United too, by the way. Did your job, did your job. But Man City, better team, better coach, better philosophy right now, but everything. It is what it is, all right? You couldn't you couldn't even stop them from scoring at home 
when you were playing 5-5-0. That's crazy. But anyways, semifinals, we'll discuss that later on when it gets closer. But for right now, the way it's standing is Man City and Real Madrid. That's going to be a great semifinals tie. And Liverpool and surprisingly Villarreal, who, by the way, you cannot. I mean, you can't count them out anymore. You just can't. You just can't. All right. Let's move on. Finally, finally, some NBA talk. Oh, yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So, starting off with the Eastern Conference, and before we go into the Eastern Conference playoffs, I want to dive into the Hawks and the Cavaliers. So, it is reported that Jared Allen will play in tonight's game. Now, before I heard about this news, I, I told you guys, I was writing some, some notes down to talk about the matchups, and before... I thought he was going to be 50-50 for the matchup. Now he's going to play. Ooh, does not look too good for the Hawks. Does not look too good for the Hawks. Because pretty much they have the whole squad now. That's the whole squad. The whole team is pretty much there. With the exception of Colin Sexton, the whole team is pretty much healthy for me. So what does that mean for the Hawks? Before, if Jerry Allen did not play, I would have said that the Hawks would win this game because they have momentum. And they still can very much win the game, but they have momentum. They've been here before in terms of playoff experience. And on top of that, their veteran team, the, the Cavs are kind of new to this thing of trying to compete for playoff basketball, at least in recent years. So I picked the Hawks to win this game. But now that Jared Allen's coming back, I don't know. I don't know, man. If you have a game like Trey Young did in the beginning of the half, I don't see how they win. I mean, the Cavs are not that good at starting basketball games anyway either, but if, if Trey Young struggles in the first half again, I don't know how they come out. I really don't. So, unfortunately, I'm going to go with the Cavs in this one. Um, I, I don't see the likes of, you know, with the Cavs, that defense is, is, is top-notch. Like, with Jared Allen back there, they have, to me, the number one defense in the league. To me. And they proved that for a great stretch of the, the season. So, a perennial time of the season. I don't really see how the Hawks make it through. I don't. The only way I can see is if they, you know, they don't play defense, so it's going to be a, a scoring fiasco for the Cavs anyway. Um, but you, you see Darius Garland, he could cause problems just the way that Trey Young can cause problems too. The only way I can see this happening with the Hawks winning is them just not being challenged enough on defense, which I think they will be, so that's not going to happen. And two, um, just the Cavs starting off slow. I think as a road team, you have to find a way to establish yourself early in the game, and once you do that, coupled with the idea of the Cavs not having a good start to the game, then maybe I could see a, a way of the Hawks winning this game. But outside of that, the Cavs are also a really good home team. I mean, I had a lot of the Cavs games this year, working a lot of Cavs games. The crowd is electric. I'm not saying it's a fortress, but the crowd is electric. You know, they, they are now back in business in a way. So I don't know. I, I definitely don't know, but I'm going with the Cavs for tonight's matchup. And also some – Disturbing news, but breaking news. Uh, so the Clippers won't have Paul George in this matchup for tonight's game. Um, and it kind of swayed my way of thinking as well, too, because I'm thinking to myself, Paul George playing. Clippers almost got out of Minnesota with the dub last time out. They're going to see this game through, despite how great the Pelicans are playing right now at the moment. But no Paul George. Do I believe in Ty Lue's coaching prowess to get them over the hump against Willie Green, yeah, definitely. So I'm going to go with the Clippers still. But once again, I would not be surprised if the Clippers uh, dropped this game at home because when you look at the, the what the Pelicans are playing right now, I picked the Spurs to win last game. I was wrong about that. No, three out of four ain't bad for the first round. Not bad at all. But when you look at that, 
and the way that crowd's electric, not gonna have home field advantage or home court advantage this time around. But McCullum, Brennan Ingram, all of them were in their bag. <laughs> all of them were in their bag, you know. And you had some, and you just had a team that was pretty much they wanted it. They wanted it more than the Spurs. The Spurs had to they had to stay in the game, try and make the game more competitive. But Brennan Ingram, McCullum, Valachunas, nobody there, and he's definitely gonna have too much contention when it comes to being physical in the paint against Zubak. Zubak is a, a physical center, I guess you could say. But, yeah, I'm picking Valtrunas over Zubak any other day. Come on now. And, you know, Jose Alvarado, too, off the bench. I don't know. I I definitely don't know how the Clippers can win this game with ease, and they won't. So I'm going to go with Ty Luce squad regardless because of how well-balanced the Clippers team is and, you know, how scrappy they can get. But make no mistake about it, I definitely can see an upset here. Or not really an upset. I guess these teams are kind of evenly matched in a way. But I definitely can see the Pelicans moving on and facing the Suns in the first round. But those are my two picks for tonight. Let's see what happens, guys. Let's talk about the Eastern Conference playoffs. Playoffs? Oh, my gosh. I love it. Starting off with Miami versus the Cavs slash the Hawks. Miami won both series 3-1. to one. Sorry, no, Miami won the series against the Hawks three to one and won against and lost against the Cavs one to two. Um, or two to one at least for the matter. Uh Jerry Allen will play, so most likely he will play in the playoffs if he does and if he and his team does qualify to make it into the playoffs. Um, John Collins is out, which is another reason why I would like to face the Hawks, because the Hawks don't really play too much defense as we saw last time out against the Hornets and two. John, John Collins is a very pivotal, important piece to that team. He's not going to be there. They're going to struggle a lot. The game plan for the Hawks, though, if Miami were to face the Hawks, um, you saw what happened in that game against the Hornets where they put Cody Martin on Trey Young, and for some part of the game, it slowed him down. All right, so I'm thinking we have to put our point guards there. I think Kyle Lowry can handle himself to it in a way, too, but Caleb Martin, Dave Vincent, Oladipo, Kyle Lowry, those are the guys I'm looking to see be placed on Trey Young in order to stop their main threat on offense um and you you know you cannot play these big liners against, against the hawks you cannot the hawks are a great perimeter shooting team they're a great team when it comes to playing outside of the paint so you cannot play a bigger lineup of Dwayne deadman you know bam out of bio is acceptable obviously even though he's outside of center but it has to be small lineups you know tucker out there caleb martin gave vincent even duncan robinson is a little bit too slow for me so i'm not even too sure how he would fit in this lineup but you cannot play the hawks big play them small you have a better chance to win the game or win the series for me and defend the pick and roll too they do a lot of pick and roll situations um which requires more of a small lineup because switching your bigs onto trey young is a no-no definitely a no-no you saw last game against the hornets Montrose Harrell could not keep up Plumlee couldn't keep up obviously and mcdaniels Jalen mcdaniels too yeah was getting cooked out there it's not gonna work it's not gonna work you have to play a small lineup to defend the Hawks. Stay honest on the perimeter. Two best three-point shooting teams in the league, Miami and the Hawks, one and two. Miami first, Hawks second, at least in three-point efficiency. So that's one thing, too. I think the game will be won uh, in that department, as well as, you know, can you win the rebounding battle? I think we can for the most part. I think we play good enough defense uh, to beat the Hawks, obviously. So if I were to say the Hawks make it through and they face Miami Heat, I'm going to say Heat in six. 
Um, actually, though, he and five, he and five. Yeah, sorry, he and five. Um, yeah. But if it's the Cavs, 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 force this team into turnovers. Miami, we can be a sloppy team in when it comes to turnovers as well, too. Don't get me wrong. So this is going to be a very defensive-oriented series if the Cavs make it through, which I do expect them to make it through. I'm calling Miami in six just because of the coaching and, you know, the players that we do have. But it's going to be a tough series nevertheless. Um, the Cavs, for me, and the Heat, whatever team decides to force each other into turnovers will have a better chance of winning the series. Um, but I know the Cavs can play very sloppy basketball at times too. So, you know, and you obviously have to play a bigger lineup. That whole – what it's the opposite of the Hawks. You have to play a bigger lineup with the Cavs, okay? So, Dwayne Dedmans, your Omar Yorksevin, your uh, Bam Adebayo, especially if Jared Allen's going to play that series, oh, yeah. You know, we need a presence in the in the, in the the paint. Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Markkinen, too. Those are some long dudes, long defenders. We need a presence in the paint. So, yes, play your bigger lineups. I'm going to – it's going to be tough for Tucker to even get into the series because of how small he is. We know he, he plays bigger than what his size is. But those guys are just tall. They're tall and big, of course. Um, and the biggest thing, too, whoever wins the rebounding battle in the games will have a better chance to win the series. I think the Cavs have a big, a better uh, chance of doing that. But, you know, it does not come down to just that part of the, the game, obviously, right? You know, it, it depends on how much production they will get from their bench, where I think they'll get little to none compared to our bench production, Tyler Hero. Their biggest thing will be to limit Tyler Hero off the bench, limit Butler when it comes to scoring opportunities for the starting lineup because of the fact that when those two guys are not scoring well, unless Kyle Lowry, which I do expect to play better or play great, in his first playoffs with the Miami Heat this season, you know, unless he does the, unless he shoulders the offensive low along with Bam too, maybe, you know, we're not going to have the best time winning games. So shut down hero, shut down Butler. Yeah. Better chance to win the series. But for me, they don't have a deep squad as much as we do, at least in that category. And, you know, when you look at that, yeah, I like our chances. So I'm going to say heat in six against the Cavs, heat in six. But we'll see exactly what happens. We'll see exactly what happens. All right. Let's go Celtics and Nets. Celtics won the season series 3-1. to one. Nets will find it so, so difficult to score against this Celtics team because Ime Uduka is a, a disciplined coach. And I must say, the way he has transformed the Celtics team into a different identity. We're not talking about them just scoring the buckets. We're talking about them defending and scoring at a high level. All right. And it proved well towards the end of the season where they're making their run and making their claim for being one of the top seeded teams in the East. All right. So, you know, no Robert Williams, but Al Horford is still a serviceable rim protector. So let's not get that confused. I know what Bruce Brown said last time about, Oh, we're going to attack Al Horford and Daniel Thice. No, you're not going to do that. Maybe they aren't Daniel Thice, but Al Horford is still serviceable enough to at least make an impact in the game. So I don't see how, you know, and I'm actually surprised too saying that because I thought that getting Al Horford, was like a sideways slash backwards move for this team. It was not apparently. It was not. He fits into that system very well. He does his job very well. And also, he he has given them a lot of big minutes, a lot of big production for them, despite, you know, maybe not when it comes to point production. But defensively, he has been that guy this year. I'm not sure what it is. Marcus Smart, my plan is for the Celtics. You know, we obviously want to see the, the matchup between KD and JT 
Um, and it will come down to that too, by the way. Like, this is Tatum's series. This is his, his series to win, and this is his time to shine. You want to beat the big boys? You want to be a part of the big boys? Like, you know, I was watching on TNT. You got to beat KD. We have home court, home court advantage. You have the, the better team, at least in this – not really a better team, but you have home court advantage. You have the, a better defense. Beat KD and send him home. That's what it's going to come down to be. But Marcus Smart, who has been playing great basketball, especially defensively this year. Offense may not be there. But defensively, his offense, I mean, his defense has been great. It's been great. Stick him on, Ky- on, on Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. Stick him on Kyrie Irving and, and just take your chances, to be honest. Take your chances with Steph Curry or Seth Curry, uh, anybody else on the perimeter, uh, Cam, Cam Thomas, doesn't matter who it is. Kessler Edwards, take your chances. All right? James Johnson, take your chances. Bruce Brown, take your chances. That's the biggest thing for me, too, you know? Um, and also, by the way, um, these two teams are not really the best when it comes to bench depth. You know, you have your – when it comes to the playoffs, you're going to play smaller rotations anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But still, you want to know who's going to make the most impact off the bench. Maybe it'll come from the Nets more so than the, the Celtics. But once again, that defense is so good and it's so great that I'm not sure how much of an impact the role players will make in this game or in this series for that matter. Um, and on top of that, Simmons is targeting for the uh, games four to six for his return. So we'll see what happens. What I'm thinking is going to happen is that Boston will win the first two games. Um, Brooklyn's going to win the, the third game. We're going to see Boston probably win the fourth game. They're going to be up three to one. And this was going to have a series or a situation where Ben Simmons tries to rush his rehab and give this team a boost. Maybe you win game five, maybe win game six. I'm not, I'm not too sure. But what I do know is that continuity and chemistry is important. And just trying to throw him into the lineup. I mean, yeah, practice is he's practicing with the team, I'm guessing. But he's not practicing against the Boston Celtics. Well, he hasn't practiced against real competition this year, you know. So it's going to be a little bit different. Um, but we'll see exactly how he fits onto the court and what Steve Nash has in plans for him when he comes back. But um, it's, it's, it's funny. It's actually surprising because Ime Uduka is a, is a first year coach. <laughs> and I think that despite Steve Nash having one year's worth of experience over him, <laughs> I think that Ime Uduka has the edge in coaching experience. I mean, not has the edge in, in, in this year's coaching battle, at least for the matter, because the way he has his team playing, sometimes I just look at Nash. I think that his team is just out there looking clueless and not clueless in the sense that they don't know what they're doing. But in terms of system and scheme, I don't know. I don't believe in it too much. I really don't. Which is why I'm calling the Celtics to win this game in seven. Um, six. Actually, seven of the most, I call the Celtics to win this series in six. Um, you know, you have to put, hopefully, whatever I say happens, happens. Uh, but Brooklyn is 10th in three-point percentage. Boston is first in percentage allowed in three points. So that may not be a big factor in this series. It may not be. You know, so if that's one of their bread and butters, it may not be this series. So you have to find different ways to score. And that's why I feel like the Nets are going to be exposed. They were kind of exposed last game against the Cavs where you saw them kind of getting rattled a little bit. And this time they're going to get rattled by a better defensive team, better scorers, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Come on. Come on now. Derek White, a nice figure off the bench too. Come on. I'm not too sure about the Nets this year. I'm really not. Maybe next year, but not this year. I know what Will might say. I don't really care what he says, to be honest. 
Celtics destroyed the Nets in the season series three to one. By the way, once again, I'll say that doesn't really matter at this point, I guess. But for what it's worth, I'm taking the Celtics. Bucks and Bulls. Hmm. <sighs> what do I say about the Bulls, man? What a nice story to have. At least in the beginning of the season, Lonzo Ball, the team was coming together really nicely. Alex Caruso, really nicely. But no Lonzo Ball. I have a Bulls fan. Uh, one of my boys is a Bulls fan. He was talking, he sent me highlights of Patrick Williams. Please, <laughs> please stop it. You better hope that Patrick Williams plays physical and plays up to par in this series. Because if not, it's not even going to depend on Patrick Williams anyway. It all comes down to DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine to have a chance to win the game, win the series, to win a game. Because honestly, I see the Bulls getting swept. I, I do. I really do. You need Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan to average 30 in this series to win, the, to win it. Average 30. I'm serious when I say this. The size is too big. It's too big. Bucks are fourth in total rebounds. Bulls are last. Bucks are 15th in offensive rebounds. Bulls are 29th, obviously. Bulls, 0-16 against top three seeded teams. The last two games against the Bucks were not even close. They were blowouts. What uh, What about this series gives me hope that the Bulls will win? Nothing. Nothing. All right? Vucevic, yes, he's, he's, he's a good center. But when it comes to the physical department, I think Bobby Porter is more physical than he is. That might be a fact. And we don't we don't want to bring in Brooke Lopez in the conversation. Size and, and strength, power, I don't know. I don't know. All right? And we know that Brooke Lopez is not the best defender out there. But you could put Bobby Porter out there to guard the perimeter because we know that Vucevic maybe not is not a, a big presence in the paint, more so of a presence mid-range. He stretches the floor a lot for them. But they could put Bobby Porter to guard him. You know, the biggest thing is, you know, the Bulls are poor on defense, 26 in the league, but have some individual defenders that I think can slow down some of the potent offensive scores for the Bucks, except for Giannis. They have no answer for Giannis at all. No answer. But for guys like Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, maybe you put Ayo DeSumo out there, maybe you put DJ, DJJ, uh, Derek Jones Jr. out there. Maybe Devontae Green, Jermichael Green. Sorry, Javante Green. Sorry, yeah. Um, who knows? Alex Russo, obviously, you put him against Drew Holiday. That might be the matchup where they, I, I would say they have a chance. Um, but I don't know. And also, by the way, Kobe White, who's averaging 12 points this season, or regular season for that matter, is a wild card for me. He has to be the X factor for this whole entire series. He has to be the best bench player for both teams, for the Bulls to win this series. He has to. He has to. I, I know when it comes to the playoffs, you, you obviously want to have this uh, coaching edge. And I think that Billy Donovan, Donovan is a better coach. Well, not really a better coach, but it's not it's not far off when it comes to, you know, who who's better for Billy Donovan and Coach Bud, Mike Budenholzer. Because I'm not really too keen on Mike Budenholzer. I don't think he's that good of a coach. Uh, I've actually, you know, and actually, I'm, if I'm being honest, Donovan may be a better coach than him. I'm being honest, but we've seen it happen multiple times last season where I think uh, Budenholzer was the second best coach in the series, but his team still won by plus 10 points. And it's going to happen again. You know, it's going to happen again. Once again, it's not all loss for the Bulls because I cannot, I'm, I cannot overstate this again. Like 
you know, the Bulls having DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, who can go off for 40 each game, doesn't matter what time it is, but can go off for 40 each game, that's a big bonus, you know? So they're going to have the better wing play of the two teams, but they don't have the best player. But also, you look at DeMar DeRozan, who has been playing on an MVP uh, level this season, I do like the chances of them having some big outbursts of scoring production from those two players. Definitely. They're going to need it if they want to win the series or if they want to have a chance, I say a chance of winning the series, of getting a game, you know. So, and I, I can recall saying that I was scared to play the Bulls only because of DeMar DeRozan, what he can do. This guy turns up in the playoffs. He definitely does. Or he's going to turn up this season, at least. Zach Levine going to turn up against, you know, the Bucks with his running mate, DeMar DeRozan. So, We'll see what happens, but I like the Bucks in four. I really do. And if actually no, I like the Bucks in five. Gentlemen sweep. Gentlemen sweep. Yeah, I think the Bulls are gonna have one of those games where they're gonna have great scoring production from Demar Derozan and Zach Levine, and you know they're gonna go off like forty plus points, forty eight plus points from Demar Derozan, <laughs> and then Zach Levine chips in his thirty, and they're gonna win uh, game four, and the Bucks are gonna take it back home. And they're gonna they're gonna like throttle them. So we'll see what happens, but it is what it is. Now, here coming to one of the more interesting series of the Eastern Conference, Philly and Toronto. Toronto won the season series three to one. Um, Sky Barnes, rookie of the year for me. No, no question about that. I, obviously, Evan Mobley got injured, and it's unfortunate, but he's not rookie of the year anymore. Sky Barnes. We all know that no one can stop Joel Embiid. That's not the issue. We're not talking about Joel Embiid at all. He's going to get his buckets. MVP caliber season this year, obviously, he's going to get his buckets. They don't have a big man. They don't have a big man in general. They don't. <laughs> you know, it's a bunch of tall, lanky dudes who play the four and five. They don't have a big man. So that's going to be it right there. But um, what I can't wrap my head around is that it's going to be a nice coaching battle between Nick Nurse and Doc Rivers. I think Nick Nurse probably win. Actually, no, I'm not even going to give my prediction because I think that on any given night, one coach can outdo the other, uh, at least in this series. Um, and when it comes to Nick Nurse, I think you have to throw out your double teams, your triple teams, force NB to throw past the ball, and you know have other players make plays. Tyreek Maxey, who has been playing exceptionally well since James Harden has arrived to the team. But on the other hand, it's been proven this year that since his arrival, James Harden-led offenses have struggled a lot. And, that's, and that means, you know, when Joel Embiid is not on the floor and James Harden is running in the second unit, it's not looking too good when he's on when he's on there by himself. Neither team has good enough bench depth, which, you know, going back to what I said about the Celtics and the Nets, once again, you play less, you play of a small rotation uh, anyway. So you're going to see eight, maybe the most nine-man lineups possibly. Um, does definitely help to have a, a, a deep team. So you could, doesn't matter what you could do, you could, you could use your players, uh, go from one to ten if, if need be. But when it comes to the Sixers and the Raptors, they don't really have that luxury of doing that per se. And what I noticed too was the last game against uh, these two teams. Raptors won that game in Toronto, by the way. Yes, won the game in Toronto. That was with that was without Fred VanVleet and OG Ananobi, right? Fred VanVleet is going to come back into this series, and OG may miss game one, but I think for the most part, he's going to play this series. Those are two key components to this team that's going to give them a massive edge. Well, not saying that, uh, give them an edge over the 76ers. 
And by the way, you guys want to say that it's not a big deal? It is to me. Matisse Thibel not playing in Toronto is going to be a big miss for this team, right? Because now you're talking about taking one of your better defenders and stopping one of their better scorers. You know, you could put them on anybody, right? You could put them on Fred Van Vliet, maybe. Probably keep up with him. Gary Chan Jr. Maybe he could play big enough to to hold his ground against guys like uh, Spicy P. But you're taking away him because he's not vaccinated, so he can't play in Toronto. And now there's going to be a major loss, a major loss. What we thought was going to happen with Kyrie is not happening with with (laughs) Matisse Thibel. Come on now. That's crazy. That's crazy indeed. Um, I think Toronto is a better team defensively. And, you know, they they are, they are better in defensive efficiency and better in opponents per game. Uh, you know, so that's one thing as well, too. I don't I don't know. I really don't know. I know that people are going to go with the obvious choice and, and go with Philadelphia. And Philadelphia does have home court advantage. But what I see happening is if Toronto steals one game in those first two matchups in Philadelphia, they're going to win the series. They are, to be honest. I think that they I think that they could they could it's not gonna be a tough task in stealing one game in Philadelphia anyway, to be honest. I'm gonna call Toronto on seven. I really am. Toronto on seven. Toronto on seven. Um it's gonna be tough to guard Joel Embiid, obviously. But if you have a game plan to get the ball out of his hands, then you won't be as bad as, as it, it, may, it may be. Let's be honest here, people. And James Harden, <laughs> I saw a post on, on IG. And it, was, it had, had uh, a crying emoji saying James Harden is going to go against uh, six, six, uh, seven, actually uh, six, nine defenders with long wingspans. <laughs> oh, gosh. Pressure's a, pressure's a chewer who's been getting buckets this year. Uh, Spicy P stands for Pascal Siakam, you know, and Chris Boucher. Those guys <laughs> are long and lanky. So you never know what could happen. It's funny because those guys – they don't have a big man, but they have some size to them, have some length to them. It is what it is, but those are my predictions for the Eastern Conference. I'm going to go Heat and six against the Cavs, Heat and five against the Hawks. I'm going to go uh, Celtics and six against the Nets, Bucks and five against the Bulls, and last but not least, Toronto and seven against the 76. I, have, I actually have uh, a coworker who is a big Philly fan. He's, you know, if 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 the Heat win and the Sixers win, we're gonna face them in the second round. I hope they don't win. <laughs> Not because I'm scared, but I just hope they don't win. <laughs> I don't wanna. I wanna see him cry. I wanna see them be upset. You know. But anyways, that is what it is. When we come back from break, we are diving into the Western Conference predictions and the preview for the uh for the playoffs. Stay tuned, guys. Enjoy the freaking commercials. What's up guys, Ryan Cooley here. Just wanted to let you know if you're a huge football fan or fan of the NFL, be sure to check out my podcast, Cooley's Controversial Takes, on the Nuts and Bolts Sports Podcast Network, Spotify, iTunes, and Podbean. Every episode I do a quick little recap of each game that was played during that week. Uh, at the end of the episode, I'll make my weekly picks who I think will win. And in the middle of the episodes, I'll be going over a lot of Washington football, uh, going to a deeper dive of their game or moves that they've made. And I also go over any big headlines that occurred during that week in football. So if you're interested in that, be sure to check out my podcast. Once again, it's Cooley's Controversial Takes on the Nuts and Bolts Sports Podcast Network, Spotify, iTunes, and Podbeans. 
Hey guys, it's me, Christy Love. And if you want to stay up to date on all Chicago sports, like the Bears, Justin Fields took it upon himself to tally our team back and score 23 points in the fourth quarter. He just showed America that he's a star and everybody was saying it. The Bulls. This has been the best team we had since Jordan. Or the hottest topics in sports as a whole. Tune in to File on the Play, hosted by yours truly, and brought to you by Nuts and Bowl Sports. Hello, this is Greg Rector, and this is Greg's Gripes, my podcast. And my podcast focuses in on things in the world of sports that do tend to bother me, and that's why I have my gripes. And I'm also the one of the senior writers at NutsAndBoltSports.com. I cover the Dallas Cowboys with Cowboys Corner. I also write about the Toronto Raptors, the Toronto Blue Jays, various other things in the world of sports. And as I said, this is my area of the podcast world where I get to do some griping. Yes, sir. It's Game Breakers here, the number one sports podcast in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Available on all podcast platforms, dropping new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Listen, if you're not tuning into Game Breakers, what are you really doing with your life? Seriously. And we are back in the building. We are diving into the Western Conference preview for the playoffs. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So, Suns versus Pelicans slash Clippers. All right, Suns uh, against the Clippers tied 2-2 in the season series. And the Pelicans, they won that series 3-1. All right, so what do I see here? What do I see here? A major, a major advantage in the coaching department for the Suns in either, uh, against either teams, Ty Lue um, and Willie Green. Doesn't matter who. He's, gonna, he's not going to be able to cope with the coaching strategies of Monty Williams who is widely regarded as the coach of the year this season and well-deserved once again, too. I think that despite how well my my team played, despite how well uh, Taylor Jenkins coached up his Memphis squad, people wrote off the Suns this year as a team that will fall off drastically, as in top four, maybe. And this team blew everyone out the park. So, yeah, give him a lot of credit. I really do. All right. Um, so starting off with the Clippers, if the Clippers make it through, team is very, very scrappy, very scrappy, right? Well-balanced team on both ends. Top six in uh, committing fouls per game, which is really good. That shows, that shows how well-disciplined this team is. Um, and defense is really good as well, too. Uh, actually, very, very well-disciplined in defense efficiency this season. Um, the one thing that favors the Clippers in this situation at least, maybe, maybe not. Why well, might I tell you blows your mind? Is they are second in the league when it comes to clutch situations. The problem is, what team is first in the league when it comes to clutch situations? <laughs> the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns. So when it comes down to it, in a close game, the Phoenix Suns will have the better chance of pulling out that victory because. They are first in the league, but what also is a good thing for the Clippers that they're pretty damn good in that department too. So we'll see what happens. But the thing is, Paul George, his health, I don't know. Paul George is ruled out for tonight's game. So even if, even if they make it through, which I am expecting them to do, by the way, against the Pelicans, even if, his help is going to be a big factor as to how they will perform in this series. Not a drastic uh, 
not a, a a big change in the lineup. It's obviously Paul George is a superstar in himself, but you know, um, when it comes when it comes down to how they've managed to perform without him this season, they've done actually pretty well. Uh, but he's going to be a big miss for them still. Big miss for them. And on top of that, uh, what the Clippers need to do is continue to be efficient in three-point percentage and force the Phoenix uh, Suns onto the perimeter, right? Make them a three-point shooting team. That's the biggest thing because when it comes to anything inside, they're a great uh, mid-range team, and they are a great, outstanding paint team in the NBA. It is crazy, all right? So when you look at what they need to do, they don't take a lot of three-point uh, uh, three-pointers in a game, right? They're 26 in the league when it comes to taking three points in the game. The Suns are, at least. So what I'm thinking is you force this team to maybe take more three-pointers. That could be either the uh, to your detriment as a team or to your benefit because maybe you take more three-pointers. Maybe you get them out of the rhythm. Maybe you force them into a situation where they're not used to doing. Either way, I like exactly um this matchup a lot because you know once again a well-balanced team against the best team in the nba is always going to breed good matchups um but what you can do against the suns is play zone because like i said before this is a really good mid-range slash paint team slash our they're a a well-rounded team in general but they make their bread and butter in the mid-range make their bread and butter in the paint right so you can't play zone because what's the weakness depending on what zone you're playing the middle can't do that. Cannot do that. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, uh, Cam Johnson, uh, Mikael Bridges, those guys, uh, John J. Ayton, those guys can shoot the mid-range. All right? So, cannot do that. Um, cannot do that at all. Uh, for the Pelicans, if the Pelicans make it through, though, two major things that they need to worry about. Second chance points. They rank third in the NBA with second chance points. And two, starting off faster. Starting games off faster. Let me tell you guys something. You cannot win a game in the NBA. You can, but it's going to be hard. But especially against the Suns, you're you're going to get swept if you decide to uh, start off slow in the first half. And right now, the Pelicans in the regular season they rank 25th in the first quarter points and 28th in second quarter points. That's what that's terrible. Like in the first quarter, you are mediocre at best, and in the second quarter, you get worse. How do you how can you win a game like that? So nah, your goal for every game needs to be start off faster, start off strong, and when it gets down to the nitty gritty of things in the second half, then maybe you make adjustments as need be and see what you could do. But one thing you cannot do is start off the game slow. You can't start off the game sloppy because you have no chance to win, no chance to win whatsoever. And when I said about the second chance points, listen, we already know that this is a a, a good. You know, I, I'm not going to say that they're mediocre. I'm going to say they're a good scoring team. The Pelicans are, you know, especially with the addition of Brandon Ingram back into the lineup. But you need as much points as, as you can get against the Suns, right? So those second-chance points that will come in the game, take full advantage of that. Please do. Valachunas, listen, DeAndre Ayton is a good center and definitely maybe top five. But let's not forget, Valachunas is a dog, and he is very physical. And he does his job when it comes to boxing now, too. He could get physical with DeAndre Ayton. Now, when it comes to the whole entire big men that they will have, 
yeah, I don't really see Valchunas and Jackson Hayes putting a number on DeAndre Ayton slash JaVale McGee slash Biombo. But for what it's worth, they're not going to be blown out the park when it comes to rebounds and, you know, second chance boards that may happen in that series. So when they do come, which I expect them to have a little bit less, but when they do come, take full advantage of it. Please, please do. But for the Suns, if they face the Clippers, I'm going to say Suns in if 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 Paul George plays at least five games, I'm going to say Suns in six. If not, I'm going to say Suns in five. Actually, no. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. if not Suns in five. Um, against the Pelicans, I'm going to say Suns in five. Suns in five, yeah. Memphis and Timberwolves. Memphis and Minnesota. Season series tied at 2-2. Two, two. Woo! I love this, man. I love this. This right here is the best matchup in the Western Conference playoffs right now. First for, for first round. It is. It is. Because when you look at Memphis, right? Let me let me start off with Memphis. Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies. We walking up the chimney. We want all the smoke. Okay. All right. Talk your talk, big players. Yo. One thing I like about a team is that these guys play with confidence. They are not scared of anybody. Not scared of anybody. I love it. And a young team such as this, oh, I'm going to love watching these guys play basketball this year in the playoffs. I am. I am. Because I, I think they have a chance against the Suns and the Warriors. doesn't matter who against any team. I'm, I'm going to be honest here. All right? But the issue is, this team has some high expectations for them now. They are expected to win this series, and that is pressure in itself. Now, when you look at Memphis, to me, Memphis plays with the most energy, like I just said before. They play with the most energy out of all the Western Conference teams. But second to this team are definitely the Minnesota Timberwolves. If you've watched Minnesota basketball this year, you would have seen Pat Bev. I mean, listen. Say what you want about the guy. But the Pat Bev effect has worked out this year with this team. The confidence, the trash talking, they're not afraid either. You want to talk about the Grizzlies not being afraid? This team is not afraid either. They play high energy minutes. They are good in in pace. They are good in transition as well, too. It's going to be fun to watch. So for all those people who are saying that the Grizzlies are going to sweep this team, or a gentleman sweep, you got to talking out of your mind. Say that nonsense. You got to talking out of your mind saying that because there's no way. If I'm being honest, I'm calling a seven-game series. I am. I am, to be honest, because I just look at how this Minnesota team is constructed and how much confidence they have as a team compared to the Grizzlies. They can go toe-to-toe. They can. Now, now, whether or not it's going to be a six or seven game series, uh, the biggest thing is, you know, the coaching, right? Coaching is a big factor. Taylor Jenkins compared to Chris Finch is a, a big, big edge for the Grizzlies. Because when I go into the, the, the way this team plays, right, for the Timberwolves, everyone has the green light. I mean, I was watching TNT the other day again, you know, when they were, uh, you know, covering the game when uh, Minnesota won against the Clippers. And Chuck was like, everyone has the green light. And it's true. They do. Everyone has the green light. So that, to me, would be the detriment to this team. Because when it comes to Memphis, you know, they have... uh, So both these teams rank uh, (laughs) uh, one and two 
in <laughs> in scoring scoring points per game. Uh, Minnesota first and Memphis second. But when it comes to Memphis, their role players are play. They play much smarter basketball, and they do their job, right? They don't they don't go beyond the means of what they're supposed to do and what impact they're supposed to have on the court. And sometimes Minnesota's role players do that, you know, and that could be a detriment to their team. Uh, that could be a downfall to how they play basketball in this series, you know. And once again, Cat. All right, Cat and and Nas Reed are gonna have some trouble, some some hand. They're gonna have some their hands full because this Memphis team is the league leader in point paint paints point uh, paint points and <laughs> point paints paint points per game. All right, Stephen Adams, uh, my guy Jaron Jackson, obviously John Morant attacking the rim. So you're gonna have your hands full. You gotta play some defense. You gotta play some defense. You wanna talk about Cat not having a great offensive uh, output? You got to put some defense. <laughs> you got to, all right? Because if not, you're going to get blown out the park. You have to find a way to limit that point, the, the paint points in this series. But, you know, if not, you're going to, if if not, you're going to get blown out the park. I'm just saying. And also, by the way, Memphis first in transition slash fast break points. When it comes to the playoffs, it's more slowed down. It's more uh, half court sets. You're not going to see too many of those happening. So, that should play into Minnesota's favor because, you know, once again, we have less fast break points, and that's Memphis bread and butter. But when you have less fast break points, you're going to have them be forced into more offensive half sets, which they're good at doing too. doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, that's going to be one part of the game that's going to be taken away. So uh, I like that for Minnesota to uh, stop them, um, you know, and we'll see what happens, right? Put Pat Bev on job. Not gonna be that big of a difference, but he is a good defender. Let's not get that twisted. And two, he's gonna force John Morant to make mistakes that he's not really used to making. If you do that the whole series, you have a good chance because we force him to take shots that he's not used to taking and take uncharacteristic shots and make uncharacteristic plays. It's gonna help the team a lot because John Morant is gonna be the best player in this series, right? If you force him to be out of character. That's a big bonus for the Minnesota Timberwolves. It really is. It really is. All right. So, but once again, you have to have the likes of Chris Finch uh, have better coaching strategies this game. Like, you can't have small details in the game, such as keeping Cat in when he's in foul trouble. You can't have that at all. All right. So, I need him to play better. I need him to coach better. Sorry. Coach better in this series. You're not going to have that much of an edge. Uh, or not going to close the gap between him and Taylor Jenkins. But there should still be a chance for him to make his imprint in this series based off of the energy that this team plays with. I'm going to call Memphis a seven, but let me tell you guys, it's going to be a great series to watch. It really is. A really back-and-forth series, and Memphis is going to have the department of coaching in their favor, but make no mistake about it, man. If it, games that, if it comes down to that game seven, you don't know what's going to happen. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Warriors versus Denver. All right. Denver actually won this season series three to one. Wow. Denver has the Denver has the Warriors number. <laughs> I think the Warriors can still beat Denver without Steph Curry, but the stats not looking too good. Let's be honest here, people. All right. And the more I think about it, the more I favor Denver in the series, you know, Curry is obviously Steph Curry in himself. He he's he's gonna be a big factor in this series. But 
regardless if he's there or not, they're not they're not gonna have the best player <laughs> in the series. That's definitely Jokic, Jokic by a mile. Nikola Jokic is the way he's been playing this year. He's gonna be the best player in this series. All right, Denver is better in offensive efficiency. Golden State obviously better in three point percentage and defensive efficiency. So that's be a big component to their game. Golden State will also have the best bench player in this series in Jordan Poole. So we'll see how he performs. Um, I like Denver's big men compared to Golden State's. Obviously, Boogie Cousins and Jokic compared to Kavon Looney and Jamon Green. I don't know. Not really the best, right? Um, but Klay Thompson is still not 100%. He still should be good enough to go in this series. Both teams have good role players, like I mentioned before, but Golden State has a more deeper squad to really get them over the hump. Um, but the biggest thing for me is Boogie Cousins. Boogie Cousins, who I predicted would stay on this Denver roster to the end of the season and actually give him a big boost, and he has done that so far. He plays really productive minutes in, in the time that he has given. This guy can shoot. He can bully people in the paint. He can get teammates involved. He can take people off the dribble. So I think that if Boogie Cousins, if he averages 12 and 7 this series, I'm taking Denver. Yeah, I'm taking Denver. If he, if he averages that. If he doesn't, Probably not, but still, it's still Denver's series to lose, especially if Steph Curry's not going to play. But I think he will trend towards playing game one. And even if he is hampered, he's going to be a big bonus on that team regardless. So I'm going to take the Warriors in six. But if Steph Curry doesn't play up to par or if he misses one game, I'm taking Denver in seven. Taking Denver in seven. Uh, We'll see what happens. Mavs and Utah. Woo, boy. To round out the playoffs, I love this series right here. Mavs in Utah, Luka is ruled out for game one, possibly for game two. So, huh, once again, some sad, sad news for the Mavs and the Mavericks fans out there who just constantly see Luka being injured some of these times in this playoff series. It sucks. When is this guy going to get out of the second round? I mean, the first round at least. Like, when is he going to get to the second round? I don't know. Utah's purpose is to take one game on the road in the first two against the Dallas Mavericks. And depending on Lucas' health, they might take two games. Because let me tell you, Jason Kidd has his team playing really, really well. The defense has been phenomenal. A big 180 from what I've been used to seeing with the Mavericks and their defensive efficiency and the way they play defense, the way they're constructed. A big 180 because they used to give up 130 points sometimes. you know. And I would say to myself, how are they going to win these games? You know? But, but without Luka, this team is drastically different. Drastically different. All right. Mavs, six in defensive efficiency, second in points allowed. But without Luka, this team is drastically different. All right. The addition of Spencer Dinwiddie should help, and it has helped a lot. It will prove very important in this series. But, you know, aside from that, the one thing I favor the Mavericks in, at least in this series, is having guards who can score off the dribble. Spencer Dinwiddie, Luka Doncic, obviously, Jalen Brunson, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. if he was there. Uh, but that's something that the Utah Jazz struggle with a lot. They don't have the guards to keep up with. They don't have a lockdown defender for the wing position. Their best defender is probably Royce O'Neal. He's not even a, a, a lockdown defender. And when it comes to the, the pick-and-roll situation, which the Mavericks love to utilize a lot, you see Luka Doncic does not a lot. That's going to be a department where the Jazz struggle, you know, because, yeah, they're going to have a presence in the paint when it comes to having Hassan Whiteside, Rudy Gobert in the paint. 
but when it comes to the switching, they're not going to have that that luxury of of keeping up with some of these smaller guards. They're not. You look at the likes of what the Mavericks do. They create a lot of mismatches. Jalen Brunson, doesn't matter who it is, Luka Doncic, they're going to create a lot of mismatches. So what that means is you are going to have to play small lineups. And the, the Jazz only have too many small lineups in their disposal. Maybe you use Bogey to play the five. I don't know. Maybe you put Eric Pascal out there. You know, but for the most part, they need to utilize Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gobert to win the game. And that's going to be a big problem for them. It really is. Um, but for the most part, I would say the Jazz have to be efficient in shooting the three this year. Obviously, that's like their bread and butter, right? They they want to they have the green light when it comes to three points. <laughs> they have the green light indeed. But two players, right? Who played hurt last year. But I'm going to excuse one of them because one of them is Donovan Mitchell. And Donovan Mitchell, he came to life last year. He did his job. Despite being injured, he did his job last year. Mike Conley has to play better this year. Has to. I'm sorry, but if he comes out again and has a stinker, that'd be terrible. All right, because I know he was injured last year a little bit, but you have to play better this year. You have to. You just have to. So, you know, this team also doesn't really do the best job when it comes to sharing the basketball, 27th in the league, and assists per game. So that should be way easy for Dallas to defend. I mean, seriously. You want to talk about playing them zones, throw them zones out there. Um, and force this team to make passes because they don't like passing the basketball. They don't. If they like their Joe Clarkson's, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley's, Bogey, they like them taking the, the defender off the dribble and scoring. They don't like passing the basketball. <laughs> you know, you saw Donovan Mitchell, and you saw him average, what, two assists this season <laughs> when passing to Rudy Gobert? Yeah. They don't like doing that at all. And this team, both these teams actually like playing uh, fast pace, so we'll see exactly what happens with that. But for the most part, I favor the Mavericks. If they would have had Luca, now I favor the, the Jazz. I'm gonna say Jazz in seven. I mean, sorry, Jazz in six. Uh, but if Luca finds a way to, to at least play game two and get that, and maybe do some work in game three and four, then they have a chance. If not, I'm gonna go with the Jazz and six. But I'm telling you, man, Jason Kidd. Force this Jazz team to make some passes. They don't like passing the basketball. So we'll see exactly what happens with that. But I like the Jazz in this series. I, I really do. I really do. And that should do it for the NBA uh, playoffs. So I have the Suns in six against the Clippers. If Paul George plays, if he doesn't, I have the Suns in five. I have the Suns in, and against the Pelicans in five. I have the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves, the Grizzlies, I go with them in seven. Um, I have the Warriors in six. Uh, and I'll have the Mavericks losing to the Jazz in six. There you have it. Guys, make sure to check in and see if I was right with my predictions. Because I think I will be right this time. But we'll see what happens. Um, I love it. I really do love it. All right. I, I hope that this playoffs is going to be great. And I can't wait to do a preview for the second round in the Eastern Conference. I can't wait to do all that. It's going to be fun to do. So we'll see exactly what happens, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right, guys. It's time. It's time. It's time to end the show. Once again, everyone, be safe. Do your thing. We finally made it to the weekend, so you deserve a drink. <laughs> you deserve a nice drink. But 
let's enjoy the playoffs this year. Uh, let's continue to support MVS, my guy Will, myself, and let's keep on grinding. Let's keep on grinding. All right, guys. It's your boy Edwin. I am out. Peace out.